You're listening to episode 161 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, Dr. J. Mark Beach, professor of systematic theology, looks at divine immutability, which pertains to the nature of God's unchanging character, a topic that has important implications for our understanding of God and his relationship with the world. The question of God's immutability is one of those attributes that is, well, it's sort of, uh, to use an old expression, it's like Rodney Dangerfield. It don't get no respect. Uh, modern theologians are rather allergic to the idea of God's immutability. That is, that he is unchanging in his existence, in his being, in his will, his purpose, in his relation with his creation and the like. Uh, this is a an attribute of God that uh, people feel uncomfortable with. An unchangeable God feels like a God who's uninvolved, uncaring, unmoved, and aloof. But we need to pause a moment. Is it so great to change? Things that change get old. Things that change wear out. Things that change go out of style. Uh, human beings are, love to grow nostalgic how it used to be. And the used to be is better instead of how it is now. Or just the opposite. How it once was is terrible. And now we've become so much better. We've advanced. We've progressed. Now, just pause for a moment. Do you want your God to advance and progress? Because he used to be, used to be not so loving, not so kind, not so powerful. Is that a better God to worship? A God who has changed his mind, changed his way, changed his will, changed his uh, disposition, changed his purpose? Are we consoled by a God who's fickle and rather a God who has fortitude and his dis disposition and will and purpose, his very being, is unchanged, uh, not subject to these kinds of things. So it's easy as humans to grow nostalgic. Around Christmas time, we love to grow nostalgic. There's even a famous Christmas movie, a Christmas story that's all about nostalgia. A little boy and his red writer BB gun and Christmas from yesteryear, how it used to be, when it was really good, when a childhood memories bring back how it ought to be. Do we want to worship a God who uh, we're nostalgic about, how he used to be, how it ought to be with God? And so we do this with all kinds of things, with relationships, with sports, with entertainment, uh, the NFL, how it used to be and the like. Well, I don't think we want a changing God. Now, among modern theologians, such as process theologians, open theists in a former era, uh, the Socinian theologians, but not just, not just them, even uh, classic Arminian theologians, even Lutherans to a degree, can uh, feel a bit uncomfortable with this idea of 
an unchanging or immutable God. Among some modern uh, writers today, uh, you have a theologian like Wayne Grudem, who has expressed uh, a discomfort with the idea of God's impassibility, as has Alistair McGrath. We'll talk about that in another time in another session. But it, it kind of it puts on display that this is an unsettled state of affairs. So what are we talking about with God's immutability? Well, it refers to one of his perfections, one of his attributes, that he's constant and unchangeable in his existence, in his being, in his decrees or will, in his works. Uh, he remains forever the same. He's faithful to himself. He's faithful to us. He's not subject to something from without himself that causes him to change, nor is there something inside of God that's longing to get out or longing to be different, and so he does change. Of course, one of the classic passages is James 1.17 that uh, God, there's no variance or change in God. There's no shadow of turning in God. If you think how the sunlight hits a tree and the tree can look one way and cast shade in one manner and then as the sun moves, the tree now changes or its appearance changes from the reflection of the sunlight and the shade it casts. There's an example of something and its appearance changing. But over time, the tree itself will change from being small or something big to something old and brittle and finally dead and decayed. We don't want a dead and decayed God. We don't want, in fact, the Bible doesn't show us or teach us about a God who grows old or out of touch or used to be or is out of style do you want to worship an out-of-style God? He's not with it. He's not up to the times because he hasn't changed. The, the only times there, there are, are are times that he's put into place. The only creatures that are exist that exist are the creatures he has put into existence and given them life and breath. And so when we talk about God's immutability, we're talking about the fact that there's nothing from without God, outside of God, that acts upon God from itself so that God has to react to it. And thus, being reactive, he's different now. Everything that's, that exists is put there by God, upheld by God, ordained of God, following the purpose of God. And so that which exists cannot act upon God as if he's passive or he's being acted upon without his will or purpose being part of it. So it's important, I think, that we honor the scriptural teaching that shows us that God's purpose is eternal, his plan is eternal, his will is eternal, and if he doesn't unwill his will, but he's eternally willed it, then that's unchanging. If the God who wills this will is of the same disposition and purpose and goodness, then that's unchanging. That's a good thing. It's a positive thing that God doesn't change. Parents change, sometimes for the worse. 
Children change, sometimes to their own destruction. Nations change, and it usually counts as misery. There might be reform and progression, but that will change too and finally uh, turn back upon us into failure, needing help. Now, one of there's two big objections, typically, against this idea of God being unchanging or immutable. And the two biggies are that, well, wait a minute, God was God without the creation, and then he, there is a creation. Doesn't that mean upon creating, God changed? And the other biggie uh, as an objection is what about the incarnation? There was a time in which there was not the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, had not come in the flesh, become incarnate, and then there's a time after which, and so isn't that a change in God? Well, no, because both of these things are what God has eternally willed. It's hard for us to get our minds around this, that God in his freedom willed eternally what he willed. And I don't want to be philosophical here, but contemplate that one for a moment. There, you, you can't get back before a time when God didn't will what he willed because he willed it from eternity in his freedom. So he doesn't have to unwill it. He doesn't stop willing it. He constantly, if you're going to speak in a temporal way, which is, of course, not how God exists, but he constantly wills what he wills. That's unchanging. So when the creation commences, it's not something new in God. It's according to his eternal will. And that which then changes is that which isn't God, namely the creation itself, the creaturely things, the mutable things. Creatures are mutable. They are changeable. That's how they exist. God's eternity is God existing in unchanging duration. But what are creatures? They exist in changing duration. Everything that is creaturely is subject to change is dependent, is needy, needs God's providential care and upholding even to exist. God doesn't need that. The very independence of God, being of and from himself, means God doesn't, cannot be acted upon from without. There's nothing out there, outside of God, that God didn't put there and give existence and uphold it in existence. And so it can't act upon him except by his will. And thus, even in our intera interaction with God, what is that? <laughs> our interactions according to his eternal will. So God, again, is unchanging. What about the incarnation? The divine son assumes a created human nature into personal union with himself and doesn't he then go from not having flesh to having flesh? Isn't that a change? Well, it's an assumption of something. There's an addition of something, but not a change in God himself, because the incarnation itself is also contemplated, eternally willed. At this Christmas season, isn't it appropriate to think about the coming of the Christ to take on our flesh and finally to bear our sins, to bear our curse, to rescue us from 
the just damnation of our sins. This isn't a plan B, a hiccup, an oopsie-doopsie, what can I do now to resolve a problem in humanity? This is all a part of God's eternal, unchanging will. And in the mystery of all of that, God willed a world in which he would be a God with us, eternally willed such a world, including his, the second person of the Trinity, God's Son taking on our flesh. That's actually a magnificent thought, a marvelous thought, and it's according to God's unchanging, good purpose, gracious, gospel will to us. It's something we all need to hear. Everything about us changes. Uh, people worry about uh, the state of nations, our own nation. They see how life changes, and we see how vulnerable we are. And then in back of all of that, for those who know God and trust him, is revealed in the Bible, here's a God who doesn't change, who's not wobbly, who's not going to disappoint us, who's not going to leave us or forsake us. Here's a God who's going to be altogether faithful in all of his dispositions and those other perfections the Bible teaches us about. I mean, you think of God in his love. Well, it doesn't change. God in his goodness. You want his goodness changing? Can you do without a as much goodness of God than you had yesterday? Or can God change and give you less goodness? No, unchanging. His wisdom. You see, to have a changing God is to have a God who's getting better or worse. Which? Is your God getting worse? Your changing God? Is he getting better? So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was a, a little league God, and now the God you confess is a major league God. And then what will he be in the future? Better yet? In fact, that's the tact that some modern theologians have taken. We'll have a becoming God, an on-his-way God, a God who's living in tandem with the world, a kind of pantheistic God. God and the world, they sort of play off each other, need each other. And then this God is a changing God, a becoming God, a getting better God, a coming to reality and consciousness God. This is all nonsense. You can't pray to such a God. You can't look to such a God and that God can't be personal, and certainly not cannot be the triune God of the Christian Bible. No, we have a God who's already almighty, all-powerful, infinite in wisdom and goodness and love. We already have a God whose purpose is certain and sure and will come to its desired end. We have a God whose grace is immeasurable and unchanging, he won't renege on it. He'll be faithful. He'll see us through. Perhaps at this, you, this point you say, but aren't there passages in the Bible that talk about God repenting or God changing his mind or something like that? Well, yes, but that's also according to God's eternal, unchanging will and purpose, decree, that in his interactions with human beings and his relation with them, he eternally willed, this is part of his unchanging will, to have this relationship with humans that would display 
something of the panoply of his attributes, his righteousness, his justice, his patience, his forbearance, his kindness, and um, his sovereign dispositions and seeing it through. So the the undulating terrain of human relation with God, humans falling into sin, humans being called to faith and into a covenant relationship with God. That's all part of the unchanging will and purpose of God, a good purpose in Jesus Christ. Uh, So even what looks like, okay, God was doing this, and now he repents of that or changes his mind, well, that's only within the created order relationship God has with humans, but that within the unchanging purpose and call and will of God for that relationship. So there, too, uh, God is unchanging in his will and purpose. And this is something helpful to reflect on as you reflect on the coming of Christ into the world, that the God who marches through redemptive history is a God who makes promises and keeps them. And the promises can look ridiculous, a seed of a woman and a seed of a serpent, and the seed of the woman crushing the serpent's head. And then that coming to manifestation in in one called Abram of Ur of the Chaldees, a nobody from nowhere, and yet from him God making promises that through his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed, and that seed ultimately is Christ the Lord. And that gospel reaches the nations to bless them all. That's the unchanging will of God from eternity. I don't want that God to change. I don't want a, uh, a God who is fickle and reneges and doesn't know where he's going or needs improvement or can get worse and grow old and be used up and out of touch. I want this God who makes promises and keeps them. I want a God who takes a nation in bondage and brings them to deliverance, who takes a stiff-necked people and bears with them because we're stiff-necked too. I want a God who conquers the unbelief and the failure of his people. And when it all looks meager and ridiculous and weak, when the mighty Roman Empire is the might and the power, the power of God works nonetheless and he brings Christ uh, through a nobody couple and a nowhere village in a little stable barn with a little manger trough for uh, a crib and brings the victor into the world, brings the Savior, brings the King of Kings. That as Caesar says, you go here to do that, the sovereign God brings the Savior King according to his unchanging purpose, the unchanging God to bring us to the victorious victory and uh, the conquering work of God on Christmas Day and then what ensues from that. Every attribute of God is actually quite practical because you're talking about who God is. You're talking about the God who acts in history, the God who acts in your life, the God who comes to you in his unchanging love and will never let you go. He'll 
keep his word. He'll keep his promises. He'll bring you to the last day and to eternal life, eternal hope, eternal victory. This God, the unchanging, immutable God of the Bible, no, he'll never change his mind in Jesus Christ toward us. And that is the victory of Christmas, and that is the hope of all who call upon him in faith. The doctrine that comes out of immutability is that of divine impassibility. Does God react to the choices of human beings with genuine emotion? Can God be surprised by our actions? Tune in next time with Dr. Beach to find out. For more podcast episodes, you can find us on our website at midamerica.edu slash podcasts and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Be sure to search for and subscribe to Mid-America Reform Seminary's Roundtable. I'm Jared Luchibor. Have a very Merry Christmas.